Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good evening, everyone. We are in the midst of encounters, encountering God. That's what this is about. We're not in the midst of a religious experience, but we're in the midst of encountering the face of God. And this is a different kind of thing. And tonight, I want to talk to you about Christianity that works. Tomorrow night, we'll finish up with the healing part of what I was going to do tonight, but I felt the Lord turn it around for me a little bit. And we'll get to that part tomorrow night. But tonight, I just, in continuing what we're doing, the, the, the theme is your promised life. And as a Christian, you have been given an inheritance. That inheritance is very clear, very defined. As you know by reading your Bible, that it's imperishable, unfading, and incorruptible. And so it's an eternal inheritance, but it is yours. It does belong to you. You have the right to have it. You have the right to experience it. You have the right to be happy. You have been given the right to be strong. You have been given the right to be successful, prosperous, blessed. You have the right to be loved. You have that right, not just by God, but you have the right as an inheritance to be loved by people. You also have the right to be able to love people that you cannot normally love. You have the right to be healthy. You have the right to live a long life and not die before your time. You have the right to have joy every day. And you also have the right to live without fear all the days of your life. Psalm 34, 4. I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all. That is a very powerful, all-inclusive word. All. Not three fears. All of my fears. You have that right. You have the right to be heard. You have the right to have a platform. You have the right to have a ministry. You have the right to have a, an entire family saved. All of them. It's been bought and paid for. You have the right to have all your children go to heaven. And all your grandchildren go to heaven. You have the right. To not be useless, to not just occupy space on earth, but to be a weapon in the hands of God. These are rights you have. You have the right to be a lovable human being, to be a life-changing breakthrough person. You have that right. You have the right to live without guilt and without shame. And without fear, you have that right. You have the right to be blessed everywhere you go. Going in, coming out, staying, going around in circles. You have the right to have a blessing that is tangible resting on your family. You as parents have the right to have your children Give you money. Yes. <laughs> you have that right to not have welfare children that borrow from you and never pay you back. That is an unchristian thing to do as a child who knows God. Your children should give you money all their lives. The Bible says, if they honor you in this way, they will have long life. 
We have it backwards. But if you raise them when they're little, tied to the church and tied to your parents, then they'll end up giving you money. They'll, they'll probably pay off your house, buy your cars, and that's how it should be. Praise the Lord. Look at three or four people and say, I don't know if he's serious, but I'm going to go ahead and believe it. Because he hasn't indicated yet if he's joking. No, I am not joking. Praise the Lord. You have the right to see God do miracles. And you have the right to live a beautiful life. Praise the Lord. Would you spread that around? Tell a few people it's okay to be happy. Just tell everybody around you it's okay to be happy. May you be known as a re relevant, life-changing, happy person. Praise the Lord. Because if all we are is happy for ourselves, what good is that to your neighbor? This is not about you to begin with. It's just about you in as far as it matters in how you treat other people. So God does everything good to you so you can pass it on. This is a pass it on life. Christianity does not work for the selfish. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the secrets of that make Christianity actually work and why it may not be working for you and why it may never work for you. Or you can just learn the secrets and then do it. And Christianity begins to work. Because it just doesn't work because you just said, I want Jesus. There's more to it than that. It's not a welfare system. It's not a cafeteria. It, God is not a computer. You don't just punch in codes and get out stuff. This is a relational thing between you and God. And if you don't get it right, it's just not going to work. And you will be disappointed with God. And you will end up blaming God for the miserable life you may live. Which God never intended, nor did he plan, nor does he promise you. Remember, there are no miserable promises there's not like a promise. You will be miserable all the days of your life, so just live with it, saith the Lord. You will die in misery and all your children will die screaming. It's, it, these are not promises of God. These are the curses of life. So whatever happens, explainable or unexplainable, you should be able to at least have peace. Praise God. So, there are 32 of these. I'm going to give you about eight, maybe 10 tonight because there's no way I could do that. And I said, and you wouldn't remember. So, we go to John 14, 21 to begin. The number one secret to make your Christianity work, and remember, it doesn't work for everybody. And there are reasons. We gave you those on Sunday. Some of them. But there are, there's also reasons why it does work for people. There are reasons. The number one reason that I have discovered in my 50 years of doing this now is found here in John 14, 21. Whoever does what I tell them they are the ones that love me. The number one thing that makes Christianity work and makes your Bible come alive is that you actually love Jesus. 
Loving Jesus is the secret that makes everything work in Christianity. Because whether the day is good or bad, if you love Jesus, it ends good. Whether you're treated right or wrong, when the day ends, Jesus works everything out because you love him. Notice what Romans says. Romans 8.38, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. The perfect example of this is Luke 7.37 through 39, which is the woman with the alabaster box. I believe, now that I've researched this for all these years, I believe that this woman, a prostitute, came to Jesus so boldly and so courageously in front of all the rabbis, which was a, 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 cr a crime to do. She just went in there with her thing, weeping and crying out loud, and threw herself at his feet, poured all that oil on, her, on his feet, and then kissed his feet, which you're not even supposed to touch a rabbi if you're unclean, and prostitutes were unclean. And, and, but there's a reason for that. I believe this. This is conjecture, but your spirit will tell you. I believe this woman had already heard about Jesus. I believe he, she had already heard about Mary Magdalene. I believe that she had heard about the lepers and how he hugged them and approached them and touched them. I believe that his reputation, everybody had heard about. And this is a woman who, before she got to Jesus, in my opinion, had already decided what Jesus was going to treat her like. She already loved Jesus before she even met him. Just because of his reputation of being a forgiver, of being a cleanser, of being an embracer, of loving sinners and tax collectors and the scum of the earth. And I believe she loved him, and this is why Jesus did not even hesitate when she threw herself at his feet and began to weep on his feet, kissing his feet. One of the most beautiful acts of love. And what does Jesus say about her? He that is forgiven much loveth much. She already loved him when she hit those feet because she already knew what his reaction was going to be. It wasn't going to be like the other guys in the room. Her reaction or his reaction was going to be, I forgive you. And just for being like that, she loved him intensely. Do you know that it is very difficult for you to love Jesus if you don't think you're really messed up without him? Do you know that those of you that came to Jesus with really no problems, you're just intellectually smart enough to get the insurance? But you, you came to Jesus because it's the, the most intelligent thing to do. And you didn't really have a lot of problems. So for you, your Christianity is different. You're having to learn to need God. But there are some people in here who are so messed up in their past life, maybe even tonight, and they know that God forgives them and that God wants them and that God needs them and that God cherishes them and that God believes in them, and they love Jesus. They love him because of that. And if you love Jesus, Christianity, and all of its intricate mysteries will work. You have to stay in love with God, and you have to keep yourself there. You do that by constantly fellowshipping with him, by worshiping him, and all the other things that you do when you love somebody, always test your love for God 
daily. Because at any time, it can grow cold. And some of the places you get the coldest in is around Christians that are not Christian. This can be like cold water on your fire. And it can get you all twisted up and even get you out of church. It's like having a child that misbehaves and causes you a lot of pain. If you truly love them, you just bear the pain and you just keep loving them. But if the pain is too great to bear, then you excommunicate them. And you may never see them again as long as you live. That's what some parents do. But when you love something unconditionally, even when they're in prison about to be executed, the mothers are there waiting to watch their sons be killed for the horrible and evil they have done. There's nothing like love and there's nothing like loving Loving Jesus, there's just nothing like it. It will literally solve all your problems. You just won't have very many problems if you love Jesus. If you're religious and if you're, you know, have other motives and other agendas for being a Christian, if you do all that, then all kinds of crazy stuff can happen to you. But to just love God, there's one thing they can't take away from you, and that's heaven. But if you don't love God for the right reasons, you just are going through the motions, then Christianity will not last in your life. You're going to go away, as so many people go away every year. You're just going to fade away. You'll get back into the world. Praise the Lord. So look at somebody and say, holla, holla. Do you want Christianity to work, ladies and gentlemen of the jury? Do you want Christianity to work for you? Yes. And do you want it to be something beautiful? Or do you want to just be religious and feel superior to the sinners around you? Or do you want to just really relate to the sinners around you so you'll sin with them? Either side is not right. Here's the way God explained it to me. These are the exact words that he said to me. Jesus does not condemn. He does not condone. He regenerates. And that explained it all. He won't condemn you. He won't condone. He'll just get in there and remake you. Turn to seven people and say, holla, holla, baby. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Come on. Tell somebody next to you, my gosh. Say it. I need a little regeneration. So. The second secret that makes Christianity work and it'll make it work for you is found in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat under his shade, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Praise the Lord. He brought me into his banqueting table, and his banner over me was love. Praise God. Think of that and say hallelujah. hallelujah. Psalm 36, 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house and you shall make them, listen to this, drink of the river of your pleasures. The perfect example of this is the early church in Acts chapter 2. When, when they all got saved, what they began to do. This here is one of the greatest secrets that I have found to making Christianity work. And that is this. 
that you have got to locate the divine pleasures of Christianity. You see that you're a pleasure person. 72% of Christian men are addicted to pornography. This is a pleasure addiction. Almost 50% of women, Christian women, 50%, half of Christian women are watching pornography and are addicted to it of all ages because of the pleasure. Now you have every sin that you participate in or all of us have ever participated in is literally because of a pleasure that it brings. There are some exceptions, but very seldom do you hear a person say, hey, I'm really being tempted to have somebody reject me. Would you reject me right now? Ooh, ooh, that was good. Oh, oh, slap me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that. Tell me you hate me. Oh, oh. When you, a pleasure creature created, God, created by God to have pleasure, to feel pleasure, think about the pleasure of eating. No one would have weight problems if we didn't like eating. If we just had to do it because we, we didn't want to die. No one would ever overeat. They would never be like, wow, that's a seventh enchilada. I don't think I'm going to have that. But, oh, I can't leave it on the plate. My mother taught me never to leave my food on the plate. That's ungrateful. <laughs> Bring me the ice cream as well. But it's the pleasure of feeling the taste of the ice cream, the Cinnabon, whatever it is in your mouth. And, and, and the revival of taste that goes on. It's very tangible. It's very, very pleasurable. And this is what Christians don't understand. Christianity without pleasure is spiritual suicide. You will literally leave God because you can't enjoy him. You have got to find all of the enjoyable pleasures that God provides and then get as addicted to them as you can. The pleasure of fellowshipping with God, the pleasure of leading some lost person to Jesus. That one pleasure right there is pretty much all you'll need. If you just can go out and talk to a stranger and they kneel down with you somewhere and you pray with them and they come to church with you and then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they bring their whole families and they all get saved then they serve God till they die. The pleasure of that is ongoing year after year after year after year after year. The pleasure of paying off a widow's house of just saying, ma'am, I paid your house off. Don't tell anybody. I paid your house off. You don't have any more bills. I'll take care of all your bills till you go to heaven. We'll send somebody to make sure you always have whatever you need every week. Here's a number. Call it. If you're feeling lonely, let me know. We'll make sure that you have people to talk to. We'll take you to church. La, la, la. The pleasure of it. The pleasure of taking a child, an orphan, out of the hands of a molester and abuser and watching that man or that woman go to prison for 30 years knowing they will never be able to get to these children is a pleasure. There's a pleasure in being able to forgive someone who you really, really don't like. And feel good about it. And not feel hate towards them. It is a pleasure. So there are many pleasures. I've counted over 52 of them. If you don't find the pleasure of Christianity, you're going to rotate back to your carnal, tangible, easy-to-get pleasures. Which is going to be, you know, all kinds of pornography. And for some of you, it'll even be, you know, having relationships with other people. Definitely drugs will be involved in some cases. Alcohol will be involved in other cases. And if you're not the person that can do either or. Because remember, the most miserable person is a person with all the answers that don't work. 
So you're in church hearing all the answers and none of them are working for you. It's suicidal. To be a Christian and every day, the only thing you're allowed to do is say no to all the things you want to say yes to. You, you won't last like that. Nobody can. It's insanity. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's insanity. You've got to find the joys of Christianity. You've got to find the enjoyments of Christianity. You've got to find the pleasure of watching your children love God, obey God, your grandchildren get saved and start preaching like some of my grandchildren. I had my four-year-old little uh, grandson, Zaya, uh, preaching with me here this last month. Four years old, and he's preached with me now three or four times. I'm not talking just, when I say preaching, I mean he gets the mic. And, and, and so I, he gets up there, he gets that mic. He says, you know, in his little tiny voice, hello, my name is Zaya, and I want to tell you that if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, he will save you and you will go to heaven. You won't go to hell. I mean, coming from a four-year-old, this is powerful stuff. And then he begins to quote all his Bible verses. Bible verse after Bible verse after. Then he ends with Psalm 100 and quotes the entire Bible verse. And I said to him, uh, we were preaching in Oregon, and I said, hey, well, do you have anything for anybody around? And he goes, yes, him, which was the pastor. And he jumps off the thing and walks up to it, puts his lieutenant <laughs> on, his, on his knees, and he says, God loves you. And the pastor goes, <laughs> he said, I really needed to hear that today. Why am I saying that? Because I took so much pleasure. I mean, I was just like, pleasure. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to be okay without pleasure. It's not physical sexual pleasure. It's a higher type of pleasure. It's a pleasure that goes into your very being. It satisfies the longings of your soul that physical things cannot satisfy, that temporary carnal pleasures cannot satisfy, that the pieces of your body and soul, which as they get old, all that begins to change. It isn't even as important in many senses of your life. But what you feel inside and the depth of the undescribable and indescribable emotions of, of contentment, gratification that you feel when you touch one of heaven's pleasures. Praise the Lord. So if you're going to last, if Christianity is going to work, it's got to be more fun than pornography. It's got to be more fun than having sexual contact with people. It's got to be more fun than food. It's got to be more fun than TV, entertainment. It's got to be more fun than pretty much everything for this thing to really work. Otherwise, you're just going to be a religious person in a really great church. So if you're not going to get involved, then nothing will get better. You can't just go to church. You need to actually be the church in the church. Praise the Lord. Would you give someone a high five and say, if I can guess how much money you have, will you give it to me right now? <laughs> the wives are all, oh, I know exactly. I put it in your pants. <laughs> so let's go to three. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth so that you can be equipped in everything. And then the perfect example of this is Stephen in the book of Acts, who preached with so much power and so much authority. He wasn't even an apostle, but he was an amazing believer. 
But he preached the word so powerfully that the people he was preaching to, the truth he was speaking was so anointed that they actually had to cover their ears because it was convicting them so much they actually covered their ears so they wouldn't hear what he was saying and then they stoned him and Jesus appeared to him while they were stoning him. Now this is a really important one and I, I call it word mastery because you see that Bible you have there it contains the secrets to all of the things you want. It is the fountain of youth. It is the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It is the hidden treasures that you have searched for your whole life. It is the answer to every problem you have. It is the solution to the issues you're having with yourself. That word. Contained in that word is the living mind of Almighty God. And if you don't master the Bible, literally learning everything you can about the Bible and how it functions in your life, and you do not make it a daily piece of your meals, your food, where you are eating the Bible at breakfast, you're eating the Bible at lunch, you're eating the Bible at dinner, not as a religious act, but to feed your inner man and make him strong. To educate the areas of ignorance in your life because God said it very clearly, because of ignorance, my people are destroyed. Anywhere you are ignorant, you become food for a predator. So all of you that don't read your Bibles, all you're doing is preparing yourself for a barbecue. And you are the steak on the plate. When you educate yourself and learn how to cast out demons, when you educate yourself and learn how to, how to multiply money, when you educate yourself and learn how to love people that can't be loved, when you educate yourself and learn how to flow in the supernatural, when you educate yourself and learn how to stand inside the presence of God and let the Holy Spirit move through you and talk through you and think through you and feel through you and let him quicken you and encourage you and build you. as you learn these secrets and mysteries of how to figure out how to love particular kinds of people because each one is so different and all need to be loved differently how to love each one of your children they're all different they require a different approach and only God can teach you that you can't teach treat every child the exact way your child needs something that you're not giving them if they have problems with you. No child should have problems with a Christian parent. If the Christian parent knows how to love them the way they need to be loved, rather than just the Bible says, this, this is the way they're going to be. This is how you are. You're just, I can't believe it. And all you're going to do is, you're going to raise a little atheist in your house. Because you haven't learned compassion. You haven't learned the gentleness of patiently waiting with them while they express their emotions and their feelings. Some of my children require lots of time. Others do not require hardly any time. And I've had to learn with each child which one requires. I call my children every day some of them, I call them up to five times a day. Now, they tell me, Pop, why are you calling me again? You ain't got nothing to say. I ain't got... I said, okay, you don't want me to call you like... No, 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 no. Keep calling me. Keep calling me. But you got anything to say? I said, well, no, because I never know when you might have something to say. I just want you to know I'm here. Oh, okay. And I'm not boasting. I'm saying I've learned that through failures and through time. Everybody's different. But it's the whole thing about the word. 
you don't realize that your word is your food. If you don't eat the Bible, you are literally dehydrating. You are starving to death. And Christianity will never work for you. If you, after 20 years, cannot quote 10 Bible verses, you have mismanaged your Bible. If after 20 or 30 years, you can't quote two or 300 verses, you have mismanaged your Bible. If you can't explain to people what God is all about through the Bible, then you, are, you haven't managed the word correctly. And this is going to make Christianity not work for you. Because without the Bible, it doesn't work. That's why when pastor preaches or anyone else that preaches, he uses the Bible. He doesn't use Newsweek. He doesn't use the latest newspaper articles. He doesn't use the, the newest, um, you know, motivational books. I, I went to a church. It was about 6,000 people a friend of mine, and I had preached for him many, many times. I came, and I preached, and according to them, 3,500 people got saved on a Sunday, half the church. He wept and said, what have I done? I said, well, what are you preaching? And he had been preaching the seven habits of highly successful people. He repented, and I'm telling you what he did. He's, he repented. He said, I'm going to preach the cross for one year. And he preached on the cross for one entire year. <laughs> he said, there ain't no sinner ever going to be in this church. They're going to get saved. I ain't standing before God like that again. You can get off with your dress and your food, and all your books, and all your mysteries, and all your other books that you get into, and all these huge novels and things, do what you want. But I'm telling you, if the word is not preeminent, you will suffer for those novels. Because those novels will not lead you to Jesus. Unless they're Jesus novels. They're not going to lead you to Jesus. There's cussing in there. A lot of times there's a lot of fornication, a lot of adultery, a lot of ideas that are contrary to God, but they're very entertaining to your soul. You love them. You feel like you can't live without them. But that's only because you're God-deprived and word-deprived because you have created an addiction for fantasy, not an addiction for the realities of the power of the living word of God. Praise the Lord. Now, while I'm talking like this, you've got to make some decisions. Either I'm crazy and I don't know what I'm talking about. Or this is too big of a price for you to pay because I'm, I'm touching your sacred cows. Because you understand, Satan's job is to make these things sacred to you. Where you say these words, I can't live without that soap opera. I can't live without that show. I can't live without these books. Now, if you do all this, well, add whatever you want. But remember that if you're going to have Christianity work, it's going to require a word mastery and a word addiction you actually have to become a Bible scholar for Christianity to work. Even the poorest of people who become Christians hold their Bibles precious. They may never read another book in their life, but they will hold that Bible precious and do wonders with it. I was in a village. I had taken a team and we're building a church in a jungle for a, a pastor up there. He had, I don't know, 12 people or something like that. I'm meeting under a tree or something. And, and I said, okay, and I've done this since I've been saved. And I took people with me and we go into the jungle. Do, you, we do all that. And, and we were building them this church, you know, for I don't remember how many people, whatever it was. Sometimes 100, sometimes 500, I don't know. 
but we were there. So we were sleeping in a, like a hut, dirt floor, and then corn stalk, and there was about five of us in there. And there was this little fella, about this tall, and um, he'd go in there very nice, hug everybody, then he'd go and face the corner and get down on his face and just pray for a couple hours, barefooted. I, I thought he was just like, I didn't know who he was. And, I, and he did it every night. So I asked the pastor, I said, who, who's that little guy? He said, oh, that's my pastor. I said, that's your pastor? Yeah, he comes to all the new churches that, that uh, are built. I said, well, where does he pastor? And he told me, it was either Guatemala or it was Honduras, one of the two. And he said, well, he said, yeah, he's got a big church. I said, a big church? Well, how many? 25,000 people. And the only book he reads is that Bible. And he would just hold that book. He'd go to sleep with it like that and pray, and the Holy Ghost just, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how to tell you more that if your Bible doesn't become the most precious book, you could have a lot of problems with this Christianity stuff. It's going to be too much to ask of you. You're just not going to be able to do it. You're going to blow your top. Because you're going to keep hearing what you should do and shouldn't do. And it becomes very difficult when you don't have the power to do it. Well, the Bible gives you the power to easily do what God is asking you to do that you normally could not do without his help. Memorize the Bible. Meditate on it. Journal that Bible. Here's my last point on this, and I'm not going to get through even the eight, but I, I want to give you this, that... Start in Genesis. First of all, find a translation of the Bible that your mind feels comfortable hearing. If you've never been involved with King James, it's going to be a little weird for you to be, thou art the one. It, it, it's not going to work for you. So you have to find credible translations, which you can talk to your pastor about. He can give you those. Credible translations that, are, that fit your brain patterns and language pattern. And then start in Genesis. And any time you read, and every time you read that a scripture literally jumps out at you and attacks you with living life, mark it. Go all the way to Revelation. You'll end up with three to 700 Bible verses that have done that. Those are your personal prophetic verses that the Holy Spirit has identified for you through that jumping. Like, <gasps> that is the Holy Spirit telling you, memorize me, because I am going to create the person that can fulfill the destiny that I have set for them. Because it is the word that is the architect of your inner man. And then memorize all 300 or all 700 in your lifetime. And watch how they change you from the inside out. Jeremiah 15, 16. I'll leave you with this on that. Thy word was found and I ate it. And it became for me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Praise God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season and his leaf shall not wither. Let's take a praise break right there and give God glory in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's go to James 1, 27. Pure religion is to rescue orphans and widows and keep your life unspotted from the world. The perfect example of this is Job. If you read Job, one of the portions of Job talking, he talks about how he's treated orphans and widows. 
that he's never rejected them, turned them away, that he took care of them, that he gave them a home, that he gave them food, that he brought them in. This was Job. And I must tell you that if your Christianity is going to work, you are going to have to become a rescuer of someone. You are not created to be selfish and just look out for yourself. The only way that you're going to make Christianity be something amazing is when there is a long line of people that you have rescued out of darkness and brought into God's marvelous light. You have got to be able to see faces that are in heaven and are in the kingdom of God because you went out and rescued them. You need to become a rescuer of the orphan. There's not just orphans that are parentless. There are parented orphans whose parents never knew how to parent. So they feel like total orphans. All of you have been orphans, probably. Maybe not Hannah. Because she had, you know, amazing parents that loved her, my children. But perhaps you were raised in a home where your parents didn't know what they were doing with you. And you have holes in your soul. That's called being an orphan. Your job and my job for Christianity to work is go out and rescue somebody. Rescue an alcoholic if you were one. Rescue a drug addict if you were one. Rescue some banker if you're one. Rescue a doctor if you're one. Rescue somebody. I was, I was um, uh, pastoring years ago. I was pastoring and I preached on Something like rescuing your, your peers, something like that. Anyway, long story short, we had a surgeon in the, in the uh, congregation. And the next Sunday, he came with four of his surgeon friends, their wives and their children. And all of them got saved, all of them, in that one service. And then I made appointments with all of them to get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, I need you one at a time. And I sat down with each one of them, one at a time, made an appointment. And I said, I need two hours of your time. And I got the Bible and I walked them through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, through the scripture. And, and the light came on. They totally understood. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost just like that. It changed their entire personalities and how they viewed their existence. And I got to tell you, within like two weeks, they had given together almost $80,000, which I didn't mind at all. <laughs> but why am I saying that? Because rescuing is what you're about. Just sitting in church and going home, going to your job, living your own life around all the unsaved people, getting mad at them. Holding Jesus back from them, not giving anybody Jesus, not trying to help anybody. What, what's that? That's not even being a Christian. You might as well just not be one. Just go be a heathen. Just go be a heathen. Because that's not Christianity. That's what I'm saying. Christianity is rescuing. Christianity works for rescuers. Praise the Lord. And it works, and there's times where, you know, it gets serious in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has to rescue us. You feel the flames of the fear of God underneath you because you realize you have let something slip. And you must bring it back into order. Praise the Lord. Would you look at someone right now and say, I don't know what he's talking about, but I could use about $52. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Psalm 119 and verse 164, seven times a day will I praise you because 
of your righteous judgments. Let's lift our hands, everybody, and start praising God right now. Just praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, and tell him how great and amazing he is, and tell him how wonderful he is. For Christianity to work, you have got to become a praise and gratitude and worship addict. You can put your hands down now. You have to become a praise and worship and gratitude addict. Because you can't just sing when it's worship time. You have to sing all day long. You have to go to bed singing and you have to wake up singing. You have to learn how to be addicted to singing to God. Christianity doesn't work if you're depressed. And most of you may have a genetic tendency towards depression that you're going to have to break with praise and worship and singing. And you better learn that if you're given to depression, the only way out of it, Isaiah 61, he gives you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Sometimes you don't realize that the people that get loud, sometimes they're loud, not because they want attention, but sometimes they're loud because they're desperate for a breakthrough and they are at a point where they really need God to do something. Now, some people do it for attention, but not everybody. When I first got saved, this depression thing would come on me in the first, within the first year. And, and I said, Lord, what is this? I've never had these things. He said, oh, you did have them. You just were so used to them. Now you're not used to it. Now, what do I do? He said, you've got to praise your way out. Amen. So I would get up in the morning. I would feel the, the semi truck on me. And I just start praising God. I just start singing and praising God. And a few times when I did it, nothing happened. And I said, Lord. Nothing's happening. He said, well, I didn't tell you how long to do it. Do it as long as it takes. So, I mean, honestly, sometimes it took me an hour or two before the semi broke. But when the semi broke, the second time it broke quicker. The third time it broke quicker. And eventually it quit coming. And I haven't had that issue since I was 18 years old. You've got to learn to praise and worship and thank God outside of church. This cannot be your only praise and singing time. If you're a musician, you've got to praise when you're at home. You've got to get your instrument and sit down and just praise God. I mean, I have mine, my guitar, it sits right next to where I get dressed. And I have, we have this big closet. I close that door or sometimes I leave it open. Depends if my wife's on the phone or not. If she's on the phone, I'll close it. I get in there and it, an hour could pass too, just picking and grinning, picking and grinning, just singing, worshiping Jesus, just, just praising, just, just singing. At the table, sometimes we just start singing. Washing dishes, sometimes you'll just start praising. Or sometimes you just break out, thank you, God. Not just the church. If Christianity is going to work, you've got to become an addicted praiser. You've got to become addictively grateful. Let's all start thanking God right now. Thank him for everything you can think of that he's done for you. Come on, do it out loud. Just start thanking God right now. Praise him right now for every victory he's ever given you. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do you think that heaven is going to be a quiet place? Are you going to stay quiet in heaven? What has God delivered you from that you're going to shout about? Are you going to stay quiet? Are you going to stay quiet? Ma'am, are you going to stay quiet? I'm asking. Who's going to stay quiet when they get up there to heaven? Are you just going to stay quiet? I mean, just the fact that you made it to heaven is going to make you shout. 
What if all your children are there with you? What if every child you have makes it to heaven? Are you just going to stay quiet? What if your mother is in heaven? What if your father's in heaven and you thought he went to hell? What do you think the people are going to do when they cross the river? And they've never been able to speak. Now they can talk. They were blind. Now they can see. They couldn't hear. Now they can hear. They didn't have legs. Now they're running. Do you think these are quiet people? No. So we do it down here all day. You get in your car and you start praising God. Now don't be obnoxious. If somebody's sitting next to you, don't be like, praise God, thank you, Jesus, because you just not, you don't want to talk to them or hear them. That's just mean. But there are those moments and those times when you start thanking God during the day outside of church. Be a singer. Be a praiser. Don't be famous for complaining. Don't complain. That's how you tell God you don't trust his plan for your life. Give someone a high five and say, is that your original hair? Praise God. This is that. Now, like I said, there's over 32 of these. You can, I'll make a series of these pretty soon and uh, put it up on our uh, website. By the way, our website is whatmattersmm.org. But an easier way to get to everything we do is to go to your app store on your phone and punch my name in there, Ivan Tate, spelled T-A-I-T. That pulls up our app. It's free, downloaded, and then everything we do is there, including over 100 free different life lessons, messages, podcasts, and things of that nature, and all our books and our new books that are coming out and stuff like that. And also, you can get connected to all our orphans and start helping us support those orphans. The cards are not here because... uh, Either the, the, the other box they sent did not arrive, which apparently it didn't. And hopefully it should be here tomorrow with all that. If it's not here tomorrow, I'm going to have to rig up something. But either way, let's go to our last one that I'll have time for tonight. And then I want to minister to people. And um, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Praise the Lord. So as my last point out of all these is the importance, if you're going to enjoy Christianity, of having a church culture in your life. Having a church culture is very important. You do not realize how you hurt yourself when you do not go to church. If you minimize the importance of church, you will be stealing from your own self. You never know on which day or which service God will appear for you and do for you the thing that you need God to do. Praise the Lord. Church, according to the Bible, Matthew 16, 18, 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The safest place you can be is a good church like this one that worships God, that preaches the word of God, and that has fellowship, a church that has vision to grow, to expand, to change the world, to reach people, to touch people. That culture of church is very necessary. Beware of being discouraged by other churches or other people who have problems. You don't have to be one of those people. You can be the authentic and genuine Christian. You can be the Christian that truly serves God and loves him. But if you look at man, whoever man is, whatever those men are, whatever those women are, many of them will fail. And when they fail, you just have to keep your eyes on Jesus and, and be heartbroken and pray for them. But, but you don't like stop going to church. All preachers are bad now. That's Satan talking to you. Where, what is the place that Satan fears the most? He fears church. Why? Because if two of you agree as touching anything, it shall be done. But if 300 of you agree as touching something, it shall be. If 1,000 of you agree as touching something, it shall be done. Because wherever two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of you. Don't judge your church by your past church experiences. Do not be a casual follower in church. Don't just visit for two or three years. But be bold and courageous. Say, how can I help bless this church? If you're a rich person, give money. That's one of your gifts from God. Don't be ashamed of it. Thank God you can do it. I couldn't have a ministry if I didn't have people that are called paymasters. That when I have a need, they rise up. I have to build this hospital. So someone gave us a million dollars to do it. I don't even know them. I personally do not know them. They know my daughter, Bethany. Now you may think, oh, you're rich. I'm not going to give in the offering. No. That is designated money. I, nobody touches that. Plus, I, I took myself out of finances at the beginning of my ministry. I have nothing to do with them. I have no control, no touching, no nothing. So I could say this on a day like today. We have a whole group of people that handle that. But think about what I'm saying. If all you can do is clean toilets, then clean them with the joy of the Lord. Say, I'd like to clean the toilets. <laughs> Find where the needs are of your church and go there. Don't say, hey, this is my gift. Let me do it. No, start at the lowest place and let your gift make room for you. Praise the Lord. There'll be a time when your gift will pop out and everybody will see it and go, whoa, that is a gift. What are you doing doing that? Do this. Well, I'm too busy, you know, I don't have any time. You don't have time for God's bride? Why are you too busy? What are you too busy doing? What is more important than creating a culture of friends, a culture of warriors, and a culture of soldiers that will fight for you when you're in a battle, and a culture of men and women who will be there for you when you need prayer? Praise God. Hallelujah. Stay in church.
Love your church. Contribute to your church. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for his wife. Pray for his daughter. Pray for his grandchildren. Pray for his family. Put a covering over them. At least once every day. Utter prayers over them. They've got to feed you the word. Minister to you. And give you things that come from heaven. And not from man. Praise the Lord. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.